It is summertime, and that means get-togethers. It means swimsuit weather, and HelloFresh has got you covered. Why don't you make your home the hangout place this summer with crowd-pleasing eats from a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie? HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch for you. And let's face it, you want to eat well this summer, right? If you're going to be showing off your body, potentially. Well, HelloFresh's menu features calorie-smart, and protein smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan dinners to choose from as well, so you get some variety. HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your food goals with flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. And let's say, for example, you want dinner fast. You could just get it delivered, but let's face facts, that's not always fast, is it? But you can think of HelloFresh. With their fast and fresh recipes, they're going to be ready in just 15 minutes or less. Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. What's the deal? I've used HelloFresh in the past. I enjoy getting a box of meals sent to me because I like going on the website or the app or however you choose to do it, right? And I like to go on there and I like to look through all the meals. And HelloFresh has a ton of meals to pick from. And I like to pick things that I've never made before, right? I like to pick dishes that blow my mind. Like I look at the picture and I say, I don't know how I could possibly make that. I can't even conceive of what that is. And then I order it and then I do it. And that's the way that you help improve yourself, right? Improve your knowledge base. Reach out with food. It's possible with HelloFresh. I will speak to that myself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 and use code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 using code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. It's a great deal for some great food with America's number one meal kit. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind the scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Who would win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash who would win show. And for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Over the skyline of New York City, one figure stands head over shoulders larger than everything else. The massive ape King Kong has made his way into the heart of the Big Apple, and destruction has begun. It is then that a call goes out to the greatest hero team of all time, as Dom and the rest of the Fast and the Furious crew have but a few minutes to arrive on site and hatch a plan that will take down this behemoth. It's Street Racers versus Giant Ape. It's Family versus Lord Gorilla. It's Fast and the Furious versus King Kong in a boss battle today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavzi, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Race Decanus. Today's battle pits two mega franchises together in one titanic battle royale. 
In one corner, you have the Fast and Furious crew led by Dom Toretta. And in the other corner, you have one of the heavy hitters from the MonsterVerse, the one and only King Kong. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And no, absolutely not. Nowhere, not a hint. Nothing even close to this battle has ever been discussed, mentioned, or even thought of. I guarantee it because I looked. So yet again, the Who Would Win show brings you, the Legion of Audience, a premier battle in geek culture. You're welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts on this match? I love boss battles. You know, it's a new thing we just started doing this season. This is our third one now in the first five months of season five, and I, I think they're very, very fun. I think it takes our what we already do and it turns it sideways and makes it something new. You take one big thing versus a whole bunch of smaller things who might be very, very powerful, but you got to see this thing and how it works together. I love this new gimmick. More, more, more. You know, it's interesting because people are really responding to us going outside of the box, right? You have a lot of different amazing shows that do these hypothetical battles, but we're kind of taking it in a different direction, especially with these boss battles that no one's ever thought of, but make a lot of sense. Now, speaking of great reactions, you know, because we do get a lot of great reactions, I wanted to kind of read some of our most recent five-star reviews to the Legion of Audience and to you, Ray Stekanis, just to kind of show what our fan base is thinking and appreciating. Remember, these are five-star reviews, so they must be absolutely fantastic. So the first one, five-star review is called, Where Is It? Where is the new episode? Followed by three sad faces. Look, we were we were late people. Review, right? We had some technical problems. The show. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, given how uh, unbelievably close this show comes to not happening every week. Let's just be happy we got it at all. It's a complex production schedule that we're operating on on a weekly basis. Seriously, that is no joke. All right, here's another one. Five star review. Get ready for it. It's called Great Cal Kestis? Question mark. I mean, yeah, okay, great. We could use Cal Kestis in a battle, but I, I don't know. I just kind of wish if it's a review. You know, it's not a request. It's a review, I, although I do thank you for the five stars. And finally, my favorite one of all of them, here you go. It's called, five-star review, it's called Ideas. I think mm. you guys should do Mickey Mouse versus SpongeBob. Yeah. Great suggestion. Is that a review, though? Race to Canis. What That's are you seeing here? Are you seeing the same pattern that I am? Look, if it's got five stars on it, it's a review. I, I've given up trying to tell the people what to write because let's face facts. We want lots more five-star reviews. It helps get us get the word out about the show. It helps. It's like the literal least thing you can do if you like and enjoy the show on a weekly basis is go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you podcast and give us five stars. We know this. As long as it's five stars, I really don't care at that point. We have the same people often refresh their review with new suggestions every single Single week, so it just keeps popping up over and over again, and it gets super annoying. If you do that, stop. We don't. We at that point, once I see the name and I see you do it again, I just don't even read it. But there is one here from friend of the show Jim Ingrata. I want to read five stars. Best dot podcast dot around dot. James and Ray knock it out of the park week in and week out. Pure delight for my kids and AI for four plus years. I didn't know Jim. Uh, was parents to an AI. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned uh, about that family. Well, Jim is a great uh, fan of the Who Would Win show, and Gabe, who is uh, a genius and destined to be a uh, soon-to-be billionaire and captain oh, of industry, I'm not surprised that an AI, that they adopted an AI, because if anyone's going to do it, it would be Jim and Grata. But, you know, here, here's the thing. I just want to kind of appeal to the Legion of Audience for a quick second. Let's not pretend that Ray has any influence over you, because he does not. I want to implore all of you to show us why you're so amazing as a fan base. I want you to continue. No, I want you to 
force yourself to give us continued five-star reviews, but I want to see more of them. I want to see a lot more cool five-star reviews with, you know, hey, we like the show because of this or that or what have you. And the reason why is purely selfish. I love talking to other podcasters who say, we've got great reviews. What's the name of your show? And I say, oh, it's just a small little show called Who Would Win? Check it out. And they read the reviews and they're like, what the heck is going on? Then they check out our social media and they're like, what is happening? Then they listen to the show and they're like, oh my God, this is incredible. So just be the linchpin. The start of someone new, someone's journey into the Who Would Win show. Give us more of these great five-star reviews. Yeah, I'm not ashamed. I'm asking for them. Yeah, I said it. Now, with that Chill, being said, James, let's get Chill. on with the show. It's about time, right? Look, we got to bring someone on who will also appreciate our show having more five-star reviews. And it's kind of why I'm doing this, to be quite frank. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's actor, podcaster, and executive VP of the Who Would Win enterprise. It's oh boy. Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to <laughs> Who Would Win. Hello, James and Ray. How are you? It's great to be back. <laughs> hey, I can't believe this is nervous. The third, this is the third boss battle, and this is the first time you've actually had the boss uh, overseeing the battle. That's I what that I, makes a lot of sense. Interesting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brent, I, I just quick question: Do we call you Sir for the rest of the show? Can we call you Brent, Your you Majesty? What's the right? I, I never know what to call me you. Mister Tibbs. No, I wasn't in that movie, so don't call me that. Sure, Big Boss Man. That works for me. No, wait a minute now, because you're burying the lead on Executive VP Brent Pope over here. My understanding, sir, Mr. Tibbs, is that you have a very big uh, TV project coming up that you absolutely want the people to know about. I absolutely do. So, I, you know, and I've been sitting on this for, gosh, since August, I think, of last year when I finished shooting a delightful little show on Prime, uh, Amazon Prime, called With Love. It's a rom-com. It's all the rom-com couples that you never get to see on TV. That's what this show is, and I'm for that. You know, look, hot 20-somethings are great, and white people are great, but every rom-com doesn't have to be hot 20-something white people, right? <laughs> there are other people who live in this world. In fact, many different types of people live in this world, and you're going to see all these types of relationships. With Love, a great thing about With Love is until... This Friday, with love, you can watch the new the season one on YouTube for free. Oh, so wow. check it out. Wow. It's only five episodes, season one. I'm playing the the all I can tell you is I'm playing the father of uh, a dude that I love from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, Vincent Rodriguez the third, Josh Chan. I'm playing Josh, Josh Chan's Chan. dad. I love that, and I love doing it, and it's it's a really fun show. You know, I don't normally watch that many rom coms. This is the best rom com I've seen. And not just because I'm on it, because obviously I haven't seen myself on it yet, but I will. June 2nd. You know, your passion comes through because you're making millions of dollars as executive VP of the Who Would Win show and the Who Would Win productions. And yet you're still going to pursue your personal passions and continue to be an actor, which is so admirable, by the way. Look, you definitely want your show and everyone, Legion of Audience, check out that show on Amazon Prime, check out our executive VP. But Brent, you would want great reviews, right? You want top marks. Five-star reviews. What do you think with my um, not-so-humble plea to the Legion of Audience for more worthy types of five-star reviews for the show? I think if you're going to leave a five-star review, you know, give us some details. Not just like three or four words. If they're funny, that's great. But yeah, the, to me, you want other people to, to listen to the show or watch the show if you're on Patreon. Give them... I know that our, our listeners have beautiful words, so many beautiful words. Use those words, right? And, you know, you're right, James. Personal glory for me on the acting because no one mentions me in the five-star ones. Look, it's not about me, but uh, I wish it was. <laughs> All right. 
You've heard it from the executive VP. Legion of audience, leave some five-star reviews. Mention Brent Pope, if you will, because he's a lovely human being. And I'm not just saying that because he's the judge for today's episode. With all that being said, let's get to the episode itself. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Action Cinema, the team that might as well live in an olive garden because everyone who's here is family. The Fast and Furious crew. And representing Warner Brothers, the giant ape who turned his home island into a real banana republic, King Kong. I just want to say to our listeners, one person last time Dom Turner was on the show said, let's start a drinking game for every time Ray says it's gonna family. It's going to happen a lot. I'm going to recommend you don't. Yeah. I'm going to recommend you don't do Get that. Because uh, that way you'll, yeah, we, we don't want that happening. All right, well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, are you using the manga version, the anime version, the comic book version, or the film version of the Fast and the Furious crew? Get real, James. This is the movie version of Fast and Furious Crew. There's enough in there to equal all of the above and more. Fair enough. There's actually a few different versions of King Kong out there. So I will be doing what I do best and be using the current Marvel 616 version of King Kong, which does not exist. So therefore, I'm going to use use Kong from Kong Skull Island and now Kong and Kong versus Godzilla, the MonsterVerse version of Kong because that's what you gotta do. Alright, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave, we've said this before, we'll say it again, the Who Would Win show, a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. 
Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for the Fast and the Furious. The Fast and Furious crew are a group of characters who star in the Fast and Furious series of movies. The first movie, The Fast and the Furious, debuted in 2001, written by Gary Scott Thompson and Eric Bergquist and David Iyer. The first movie, of course, starred Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, and Jordana Brewster. What started as a genre pick that put the plot of Point Break into the world of underground street racing has blossomed into an 11 movie with more to come, Cinematic Titan. The Fast and Furious crew have gone from seedy, small-time street racers to literally saving the planet multiple times. This is typically through a series of heists and fights, with each member of the team possessing skills and traits that others do not, creating a group synergy to overcome every obstacle in their path. And fun fact, I'm going to talk about a couple of different things here that I found interesting while doing a deep dive research in the Fast and Furious. And and that's basically, first off, the role of Dom Toretto was not supposed to be played by Vin Diesel at first. They originally offered it to Timothy Oliphant, star of Deadwood and the Hitman movies. That is, he's an excellent actor. That is not a good fit. And Timothy Oliphant, despite maybe regretting it, absolutely made the right call in turning it down. And the character of Brian O'Connor, of course, played by Paul Walker, RIP. He was originally one of the people being considered. The other ones were interesting. Christian Bale, Marky Mark Wahlberg, and even rapper Eminem were were thought about for the role of of Brian O'Connor. But the one that really kills me is the fact that two of the actors in the crew didn't know how to drive when they were cast in the fast and the furious, that being Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana uh, Brewster did not have their driver's license until they agreed to be in the fast and furious movie, a movie about underground street racing and, you know, driving cars. Anyway, that is the the magic of Hollywood giving a a really good skill set to someone who doesn't have that skill set and making it look believable. That's that's old school CGI right there. All right, very cool. Here are the details for King Kong. Now, King Kong is a fictional giant ape who was created by filmmaker Marion C. Cooper and first appeared in the 1933 film King Kong from RKO Pictures. Kong from the MonsterVerse, which is who we'll be representing today, is the last living, living member of his kind, a species of enormous apes that once called Skull Island their domain. Eventually, over the course of their endless war with the vicious skull crawlers, all were wiped out except for him. Kong became a guardian to the peaceful life on Skull Island, where the humans who came to live on the, on the island began to worship him as their guardian god, their only salvation from the evil creatures that stalk every corner of their home. Nearly 50 years later, after a storm had swallowed Skull Island and the Alpha Titan Godzilla attacked humanity seemingly unprovoked, the human organization known as Monarch decided that Kong had to move. This, of course, led to Kong coming into conflict with Godzilla, where they came to blows. However, the emergence of the man-made Mechagodzilla forced the two to work together, leading to a mutual respect and an end of conflict between the two powerful titans. And here's an interesting fact about King Kong. Did you know that the use of claymation in the original 1933 movie enabled the film to avoid an insane amount of animal cruelty? It's true. Back in the 1930s, claymation was used to depict different animals, monsters, and creatures in action. However, and this was equal parts insanity and ridiculousness, 
director Merlin Miriam C. Cooper's idea was to have more realism in his giant gorilla movie and decided that instead of claymation, he would instead have an actual gorilla fight a few actual Komodo dragons over a miniaturized set. Because how could that go wrong? Cooper even went so far as to pick out a this is crazy. Cooper even went so far as to pick out a pair of Komodo dragons that he wanted to use for the sequence. However, the idea was thankfully eventually scrapped in favor of the claymation and stop motion animation of Kong fighting the T-Rex, mostly due to safety concerns regarding Komodo dragons and having to handle them and put them into a set. What were they thinking? It was the 1930s. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? Not really. I'm very uh, familiar with Kong. I'm a huge Godzilla fan, so a lot of times I'm cheering against Kong, you know, but not not necessarily tonight. And as far as uh, Fast and the Furious crew, I've played GTA V. I've lived Tokyo Drift, as 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 you do in Los Angeles. I've seen clips of the of the movies, and the crew's like very wild. So this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be interesting. This may be one of our most logical matches. I mean, it just it just look makes when, so much sense that eventually these two James, forces would collide somehow. When this is the plot of Fast and the Furious Eleven, and they're fighting a giant ape, just know that you heard it here first. I mean, it's not the most crazy thought out there. I mean, who knows? All right, let's get this party started. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Fast and the Furious crew against King Kong, because that's what this show is all about. I want to talk about all of the individual people who make up the crew, because as I said before in the intro, they have a whole diverse skill set. They have different personalities. They work together. Dare I say it, they're family. Let's go ahead and lead off the team with Brian O'Connor because Brian O'Connor, while not in any of the more recent films, because of course Paul Walker tragically passed away, but Brian is part of this battle because I get to use the entire crew. So I'm using everybody. And Brian is the absolute heart of the team. When everybody else might want to give up, former, what is he, an FBI agent? Brian O'Connor would not let this team give up. When they see King Kong and Tyrese, you know, uh, Roman Pierce wants to just bail on everybody because that's what he does in every movie he tries to quit brian would not allow him to he's also just like everybody else in the team one of the greatest drivers in the history of automobiles you might say king kong is super big king kong you know can just lay down a club and smash and do all of these things I don't think necessarily he can have an easy time hitting smaller targets. You look at what King Kong did in his movies. He basically accidentally destroyed the city just by kind of flailing about. And he was able to land shots in on Godzilla. Shots that didn't put him down really at all. So how strong really is he? I guess I have to ask. But that's beside the point. Brian is the heart that won't let the team quit. Dom Toretto, of course, Vin Diesel. He's the leader. He's a superhero. He is literally all of the Avengers simultaneously. He's smart, tough, can't take any damage. And, you know, we we know in the comics, Hercules, the character from Marvel, flipped Godzilla over by himself. Would not be surprised if Dom Toretto had it inside of him, based on everything else that we've seen and we'll talk about later, to throw King Kong upside down anytime he wanted to. This is a guy who stomped his foot on the roof of a parking garage and collapsed the entire garage, lest we forget. I mentioned Tyrese Roman Pierce. Let's face facts. In this scenario, he'll probably be used as the bait. 
He'll be in a bait car driving around trying to get King Kong away from them, uh, chasing him around so that way they can formulate the plan they need in order to beat him. And I think that this is a team they will need some time to work. And I think that they know what they're doing enough to lead King Kong away, formulate a plan, bring King Kong back, beat him right there. Because you got Tej Parker, ludicrous. He's the genius. He will have the tech. This is the guy who invented the magnets situation in Fast 9 and figured out how to work it. More on magnets later. You've got Han from Tokyo Drift. He's the soldier. He's going to go out unquestioning, do whatever he needs to do in order to go. Roman and Han will lure King Kong away and bring him back. Not even talking about the ladies. You've got Letty. She's an absolute B.A. Baracus. Mia and Ramsey are there. Now, I'm going to talk about Mia, Jordana Brewster, because King Kong has a soft spot for beautiful young ladies, doesn't he? He doesn't want to hurt any of the children on Kong Island, right? He, he avoids them entirely. And when very attractive women show up, he tends to let his guard down a little bit. He tends to not go for the kill. Jordana Brewster and her purity and her innocence absolutely could work against King Kong's inherent nature right there. And you've got Giselle, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman's on this team. You've got the entire crew from Tokyo Drift who showed up in Fast 9 to launch the team in, to launch a car into space. They launched the car to space. This is the technology that we're dealing with here. This team can get it done. And of course, the last two to put on the table, you got Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham, a lifetime anti-villain. He has a host of weaponry and he knows how to use all of it. Great with guns, firepower, but more importantly, he has access to these weapons and bombs. And of course, Luke Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw, The Rock, he once redirected a missile with his bare hands. He's another character that if push came to shove, might be able to flip King Kong over with his bare hands alone. At the end of the day, there's just too much going to come at King Kong. They're going to come up with a plan quickly. And as we've seen in every Fast and Furious movie, that plan is going to work. Whether it makes sense or not, it's going to work. And that's my point number one. The amount of nonsense, a word that is patent pending, trademarked, possibly copyrighted by Ray Stacanus, that Ray has put out in his point number one is is beyond amazing it is almost king kong sized in terms of how far he's reaching for what he's trying to accomplish here all right first of all real quick brian o'connor paul walker listen i love paul walker just on a side note did you know he was also really big into brazilian jiu-jitsu cool guy oh. great guy dad the whole thing big in brazilian jiu-jitsu sorry that he passed away it's real shame I just need to say that dom toretta i love dom toretta i got to love him a lot more after we had him on the show before i believe his peak strength was when he lifted something up that was about three thousand pounds that's super impressive he deadlifted something that's three thousand pounds current world record by the way is slightly over a thousand so he's probably three times stronger than the world's strongest man i could totally go for that you know who weighs slightly more than 3,000 pounds. Oh, that's right. That's King Kong. And by slightly, I mean a whole heck of a lot more. I'll get to that later. Han is a great soldier. And uh, you know who's destroyed a lot of soldiers, by the way, just having fun with it. This is when he was on Skull Island when he was 14. Oh, yeah, that was King Kong. He loves destroying soldiers that get in his way. Uh, let's see, in, in terms of beautiful women and everything, yeah, does he have a soft spot? I don't know, because in Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, when one of these, I forget her name, great actress, and beautiful woman, and she's flying this flying space-age kind of vehicle that was traveling with Kong in the underworld, and they start firing at Kong, and they try to get past him. Kong just reaches out, grabs it, looks in, sees her, and just goes like, eh, and crushes the vehicle in his hand that she's in, because you know what? Why not? Beautiful? Sure. Alive right now? Absolutely not. So that is a null factor in this. Now let me get to my point number one. And my point number one, let's talk about the abilities of King Kong. So let's get something straight here. Kong is a badass, a powerhouse. And really an amazing fighter. And that's King Kong from Skull Island, 
where he's the equivalent of 14 years old, right? Now, fast forward about 50 years later, and now he's over 100 meters tall, three times taller, and weighs over 150,000 tons. That's crazy. 3,000 pounds, 150,000 tons. Slight difference. All right, let's talk about what Kong has and what something that, you know, that big has going for him, which are all his physical attributes. So let's examine his strength. In Godzilla versus Kong, Kong is nearly on par with Godzilla in terms of physical strength, which is crazy. His punches evidently are so strong that they hit with a 4.2 magnitude on the Richter scale, which means when his strikes, you know, hit the ground, he can actually create some cool little earthquakes. And that's his punching power. It's insane. He can swing his arms at speeds of up to 100 kilometers per hour. In one fight with Godzilla, he was able to pick up Godzilla and throw him, literally hip toss him about a kilometer, which is about three times, a little bit more than three times the length of Godzilla. That is crazy that he picked up something that was over 150,000 tons and threw it over a kilometer. During the final fight with Mechagodzilla, he was able to rip Mechagodzilla's head off, spinal cord included. If that wasn't enough, Kong easily launched large trees at the ceiling of his enclosure on Skull Island at least twice. That's crazy. And the ceiling was probably over two kilometers in the sky. Remember, Kong also picked up a jet. He picked up a jet, what looked like an F-15, like it was a small toy in his hand, and whipped it, threw it at Godzilla like it was a baseball. Just for perspective, F-15s weigh about 45,000 pounds. In terms of agility, Kong is extremely agile for a regular ape, never mind a kaiju-sized one. Again, in Godzilla vs. Kong, he was jumping from the cargo hauler ship onto a nearby destroyer and then an aircraft carrier that were super far apart. He just jumped one bound, one bound, one bound, and he was there. And on top of that, in the second fight in Hong Kong between Kong and Godzilla, Kong was showing his agility. He was climbing and swinging around buildings while avoiding Godzilla's atomic breath. And again, during the whole time, he got hit by it once in both of the fights that they had where Godzilla used it. He's also super fast. He was clocked at running at 167 miles per hour, and he could probably run way faster. And on top of that, he can reach that top speed within seconds, and he can change direction super fast too. This is someone or something that's super agile. Speaking of which, his senses are all insanely enhanced. His hearing, his smell, his sight, way beyond, I don't know what you call it, superhuman. It's way beyond that. He's able to detect, you know, that squid that came after him uh, in Kong Skull Island. He was able to detect where it was in the water, grabbed it, killed it, started eating it. Really impressive. His stamina is insane. He can fight at its peak for quite some time and travel at his top speed, evidently for hours, according to his write-ups. Now, his durability is what's really insane. He can tank attacks like it's no one's business. Again, on Kong Skull Island, he's 14 years old. He's easily shrugging off machine gun rounds, fired by the military helicopters. He survived being set ablaze in a lake filled with napalm. In the Godzilla vs. Kong movie, he's able to survive, get this, a gravitational inversion to enter the hollow Earth, which is described as a whole planet's worth of gravity reversed in a split second. I'm wondering if the Fast and Furious crew can, I don't know, do better than at that. I doubt they can. In a second fight with Godzilla, he has his left arm dislocated, his chest being torn apart by Godzilla, and he's getting crushed by Godzilla's foot, yet he's still able to roar back in Godzilla's face in defiance and get back to continue the fight eventually. This thing can tank a ton of punishment. Look, if the Fast and Furious crew had to take on a rampaging kaiju with all of Kong's physical attributes, they would be in massive trouble. Unfortunately for them, Kong is actually so much more, which I'll reveal in my next two points. All of that is my point number one. I don't think Kong really is much more than that, quite honestly, James. You know, you really spent a lot of time there just to let us know that King Kong is strong. Yeah, he's a giant monkey. He's a giant monkey who craves bananas, and he's very, very strong. That's fine, and that is the one thing that he has going for him, his size. Because when it comes to literally everything else on the table... 
Fast and Furious Gang has Kong beaten in that regard. He's just, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Look, the, the point is that I think you could have brought more for point number one than he's a big dumb ape who's super strong and a little bit agile. Great. It didn't really help him in like any of the fights in Godzilla versus Kong. Look, he was the third most powerful monster in that movie. Uh, and there were only three monsters in the movie. It's rough when you're the third most powerful monster in a movie with two monsters' names in the titles and you're one of them. That's embarrassing. I like how you're trying to use the uh, intoxicating mind fog. Be careful with it because it can churn on you very, very quickly. All right. With that being said, Brent Pope, executive VP of the Who Would Win show. You've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? So this version of Kong is absolutely humongous. I think is correct me if I'm wrong, James, like three to five times bigger than the, the, the one from like the 80s, maybe. Or the original one? Wasn't he only yes. like... Yeah. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Not even close. So that's, yeah. that's just a colossal scale to climb. You know, I don't doubt that the Fast and Furious team will come up with some kind of plan. Can they do it fast enough? Uh, can they avoid all of... I mean, because honestly, if they were all in one car, Kong could just step on them all at the one time and might accidentally just kill them all. And it might just be over right there. That could happen. So I guess I'm going to have to go with right now. especially And also... You said he runs like up 167 miles an hour and maybe even faster. I don't know if their cars can go that fast. So I do want to mention one thing before I say who is ahead. We we haven't really defined where this takes place. And I think for it to be like the a fair battle and someplace they've both been before, let's let's say they're like on the island of Manhattan. They're in a city where there are at least streets so that they can drive cars and you know Kong, maybe the previous versions have climbed uh, uh, the Empire State Building. So that's that's a place he's been before. But I would say overall right now, uh, Kong is ahead. And I don't, you know, we'll see if, if Ray can do something about that. But it just seems like too, I mean, too big right now. Too big. I mean, you know, that's, that's what has been said about me when I'm about to like spar with someone or whatever. Ray, I'm sure you've gotten the same thing as well in many wrestling matches. But this is the Who Would Win show where anything can happen. All right, Ray. Let's see if he can get some momentum going. Go ahead and hit us for your point number two. This is a very simple point number two for Fast and Furious crew because one team is going to put together a plan and the other one will never have a plan at all and will be very reactive in a lot of what he is doing. If we're Now, if we're setting this in a city, city of Manhattan, like you said, that's a lot of tall buildings that the Fast and Furious crew can hide behind, working through the streets, working around as they need to, hide and then strike, and then hide and then strike. If Kong doesn't have a big target, he's going to be a little erratic. He's not going to know where to go. Especially when you have like nine to 11 different cars, because the thing I know about Fast and Furious, they all drive their own cars and uh, he's not going to know who to chase. He's going to be easily distracted. He's just not going to have it. He's going to be overwhelmed eventually. And Brent, you asked the question, can this crew put together a plan fast enough? They are literally the Fast and Furious crew. So will it be fast enough? Yes. Will it be furious enough? Also, yes. Let's talk about some of the specifics because in Fast and Furious 9, they introduced something amazing, which are high-powered magnets, which allowed them through using of these very high-powered magnets to flip three a three-truck-sized vehicle over upon itself. They can use these uh, magnets to their advantage. They used it to pull out metal towards them and they could use it to push metal away from them at very, very powerful speeds. You've played Fallout, uh, Brent Pope. I know you have. There's a weapon called 
called the junk jet, which which you basically put tin cans and other refuse in, and then you shoot it in a very high-powered velocity, often killing the opponents you're shooting it at. They could use the magnets here to absolutely take large pieces of metal. And we have, if we're in a city, there's all kinds of things from cars to a a rebar to jagged, whatever. And they can use the magnets to pull these things toward themselves on the cars, drive around the ape, and then launch it through the legs of the ape or even the torso of the ape if they get it up high enough. And if if you take out the kneecaps of this monkey, this monkey is done. And they could use high-powered magnets to fling metal. We know that this ape can take damage. Look at the scratches on him. Look at how much damage he took in Godzilla versus Kong. High-powered magnets possess the ability to tear through that powerful skin, flesh, and fur to do some damage and get some hits in. Again, stick and move, stick and move like Little Mac in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, You just got to avoid getting hit and keep hitting him and hitting him and hitting him until he goes down. Also, in one of the movies, they harpooned an airplane and prevented it from taking off. What does that mean? Again, Brent, you've seen Empire Strikes Back, that really old movie, according to Spider-Man in the MCU. They could launch harpoons into the legs of Kong, drive it around, drive it around, absolutely tie those legs together and pull him down. If they could get Kong off his feet, which might I point out, he spent roughly half the movie of Godzilla vs. Kong lying on his back because he was getting his butt handed to him over and over and over again. They're going to win if they can get him down, and they can get him down like he's an at-at, no problem. I'd like to point out, they have high-level intelligence. Many geniuses on this team, many technical experts, computer experts. You don't think they could find an access code to a satellite and bring death down on King Kong? It's only a matter of time till they get satellite technology. They hinted at it in Fast 9. Let's go for the gold. That's where we are. And remember, King Kong was contained. The opening of Godzilla vs. Kong, he is inside a prison. You know what? who has never been contained inside a prison? Dom Toretto. They can design a prison to hold King Kong. They can't hold a prison to hold Dom Toretto. Or in fact, Hobbs and Shaw. In fact, most of this team can't be held in prison. But not only did they hold King Kong in prison, they put him in chains and they put him on a boat and they floated him through the ocean. You're not going to ever do that to Dom Toretto. I'm sorry. There's more heart inside of him than the giant beating heart of King Kong. Last thing I'll just talk about. You got to say it. At the end of the movie, when Kong fought Godzilla, what happened? Godzilla beat him up real, real bad. And King Kong had to tap out at the end. Think about it. Fast and Furious crew, never give up. Too much willpower. Too much heart. Too much fight. Because as I've heard in many football games... It's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. And Fast and Furious got that over King Kong a hundred times over. And that's my point number two. I'm just wondering if you've ever seen and really understood how movies work. So first of all, let me just kind of get the start. You know, Fast and Furious, one of the things that's great about them is that they can overcome great odds. Absolutely, they can. But they're also highly reactive. Stuff happens to them and they've got to react. They have time to make a plan. Something wrong happens. They get, they escape. They make a plan. They need time for this. This is a random encounter with no previous knowledge of their opponent. And all of a sudden they've got a 150,000 ton, 100 meter tall thing in front of them. That's highly aggressive. Good luck with that. All right. On top of that, pushing, pulling metal. Okay, that's cute. Throwing a truck 
And remember, this is God's. This is Kong who can pick up a, a F fifteen like a baseball and whip it at Godzilla like a like a baseball. It's crazy. Godzilla can hit. I just had to look this up with a force of over nine hundred thousand newtons. I don't even know what that means, but that is insanely, insanely strong. They think Godzilla's strength is almost too high to calculate. Kong is probably a little nod, nudge below. Kong's been dealing with geniuses all the time. When Kong and Godzilla are fighting and there's geniuses galore all around, what did the geniuses do? Stay the heck out of Dodge. When smart people see crazy powerful things going at it, you know what they don't do? They don't stick their fingers into the blender race to Canis. Smart people are like, ah, I got to get out of it. Fast and Furious, they may be smart, but the genius level, ugh, in every regard that you would need to beat someone like Kong, come up with something on the fly like a Reed Richards, I don't think they're at quite at that level. Now, let me get to my point number two for Kong. For point number two, let's talk about intelligence and fighting ability. So the thing is, Kong's intelligence is much higher than that of a regular size ape. In fact, it's deemed human level by the scientists who interact with him in the Godzilla versus Kong movie. For example, Kong's learned some sign language, at least to some degree, to communicate with that little girl named Gia who befriends him at the beginning of that movie. In Godzilla versus Kong, Kong is able to use his environment to his advantage during fights such as swing on buildings, using a ship's anchor as a weapon, or doing whatever he needs to to implement the environment around him to make him get the advantage in a brawl. During Kong Skull Island, Kong demonstrates this high-level ability to use improvised weapons. I mentioned this in the battle between Kong and Megatron. When he's fighting the huge skull crawler at the end of the movie, Kong picked up a nearby tree, expertly cleared the branches off it, used it as a baseball bat. Moments after that, when he was tied up in the chains of an old boat, Kong, like these big, huge, thick metallic chains, Kong only frees himself, but then uses the chain and huge propeller like a ball and chain, almost martial arts style, to hit and impale the giant skullwalker like a pro. There's something he can improvise into a weapon. Another car, a big building, a truck, maybe a few trucks put together thanks to this magnet, whatever it is. Kong's going to recognize it and use it very effectively. Earlier in the movie, you know, he used, uh, in Kong vs. Skull Island, he used large trees as spears to throw at helicopters to take them out. This is someone who's very good with improvised weapons. Remember, Kong has also been fighting every day to stay alive. When it's time to turn on the savagery and really get into fight mode, it's not a problem. It's always lurking below the surface, but it's always maintained with this high level of intelligence. But there's so much more. In Godzilla versus Kong, Kong ripped off the circular large roof of a massive building and used it as a makeshift shield while he's jumping through the air in order to block Godzilla's energy blast from his mouth. And then when he gets close enough, smashes him over the head with it. This is crazy how we can just pick up this massive top of a building on the fly as he's flying, use it Captain America style, not really, using both hands, and then hits Godzilla with it. Loved it. And remember, remember, after a fight with Godzilla, Kong was smart enough and tough enough to reset his dislocated shoulder. That is a grizzled veteran of many years of savage combat. There's no quit in Kong. If you're going to win, you got to stop him 100%. Now, in the MonsterVerse comics, which are also part of, you know, considered canon to the movies, Kong's taking on these huge flying creatures called Psycho Vultures. Great name, by the way. And these Psycho Vultures shoot out these energy blasts from their mouth. So what does Kong do? He grabs a huge branch, massive branch, waits for a Psycho Vulture to get close enough where it fires its energy blast to try to kill Kong. So Kong takes the branch, blocks the energy blast, not to defend himself, but to turn that branch into a fiery weapon of destruction, which he then uses expertly to take out all the rest of the psycho vultures flying around him who are giant size kaiju size it was awesome now on top of that let's talk about tactics so kong uses tactics and strategy to momentarily outsmart and distract godzilla this is a really cool scene in godzilla where godzilla and kong are fighting in the city amongst big buildings godzilla's coming at him kong ducks behind a building throws something a big chunk of building behind godzilla godzilla turns around distracted and looks at it because he thinks kong is there but he's really turned his back on kong who then just starts smashing into him it was awesome 
And that's the other key factor here. Kong is conditioned for a who would win fight. He literally grew up where any second he has to have a random fight in some weird encounter and many times has no clue about his opponent. And as a result of this savage upbringing, he just prevailed and became the undisputed champ of Skull Island at the age of 14. And here's the thing. He's now just literally three times taller, way bigger, way stronger, and he has the benefit of experience. Let's talk about his fighting experience. Kong has a very cool fighting style. He really does. It's equal parts savagery and technique. He bit through Godzilla's flesh, dislocated Godzilla's shin with a punch, headbutted Godzilla in the water, and was actually able to keep the fight somewhat even when he was fully submerged in the ocean for a while while he was fighting Godzilla. Godzilla eventually prevailed. That's the water. I get it. Now, Kong knows actually how to fight. He's taken on military forces before. He knows how to use anything he can to get his hands on his weapon. And he won't be surprised what the Fast and Furious crew can do because he's seen it in bigger ways before. All of that is my point number two. Okay. All right. All right. Now, listen, you said before, like, when when you don't put your fingers in a blender, uh, it, it, when the danger, look, if Dom Toretto put his fingers in a blender, the blender would break and Dom would be fine. I'm going to start right there. Oh, uh, no, no. This monkey is so smart. He learned a couple sign languages. You know who else learned a couple sign languages? I did. So how smart could he really be? Oh, no. He stripped a tree of its branches. Wow. What a super genius. The Fast and Furious crew put a car in space. <laughs> they launched a car into space and you're gonna say that this is even close and oh did you hear that brent uh king kong had a separated shoulder a very wise man once said if it bleeds we can kill it and if he could have his shoulder separated in a movie with his name in the title you know who's never had his shoulder separated in a movie dom toretto ladies and gentlemen i see weakness after weakness with king kong and let's face facts. You brought up a fight, you know, pretend like you won. King Kong with the entire Navy and, and ships and battleships and, and air fighter jets helping him couldn't stop Godzilla. He just got dunked in the water and almost drowned until he had to crawl back on top of his aircraft carrier and flip it back over again like it was me in a kayak at the age of 12. Very sad moment. Very traumatic now that I think about it. The point I'm trying to make is King Kong got wrecked by Godzilla over and over and over again in that movie. Meanwhile, the Fast and Furious crew are like shonen characters from manga and anime Every iteration that comes out, they get more and more powerful. That's all I got to say about that. This is one of the most fun and ridiculous matches we've ever had. All right, listen, we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Brent tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Brent has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we have somebody who I don't think has been on the show before, but it's his day in the sun, Ryan Sangalang. Ooh, I know a little bit about Ryan. His reputation precedes him. Okay, let's have Ryan go up against someone so vile, so disgustingly evil. Let's just see what happens. Let's have him go up against old school Gargamel, the evil so-called wizard who wants to kill or eat the Smurfs, which I guess is the same thing. Interesting. So Gargamel is, of course, a great wizard. Great magic. A little surprised he hasn't been on the show with his cat, Azriel. Very famous, you know, let's let's give it up to Peo and creation of all of the Smurfs. But Ryan Sangalang, unfortunately, has the answer for Toon Force. Because Ryan Sangalang has the composite power of every character who's ever appeared in a musical. 
and he can actually make musical numbers happen around him at any given time. Now, that's very, very important to know against a character like Gargamel, who very famously, if you saw the Smurfs, cannot sing whatsoever. So what ends up happening is Gargamel's over his cauldron. He's getting ready to cast some spell. He's got some potions ready. He's basically the witcher out there. And then Ryan Sangalang bursts through the door. And then all the lights shift, confetti, and spotlights hit him, and he launches into his musical number. Gargamel tries to sing, is terrible. Ryan Sangalan gives him a look. Gargamel slumps his head and walks away slowly, taking himself out of the battle. He can't hang with the musical number. Ryan, you got this win over Gargamel. Congratulations. You know, anyone who has the combined powers of the most terrifying musical of all times, Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2, is a force to be reckoned with, never mind with with every other power that you would get from musicals around the world. That's crazy. Congratulations, Ryan. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Brent, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Okay, so I think we have a battle now. Look, uh, this Ray did bring up some good points in round two. Um, he, you know, uh, I don't remember if it was round one or round two. We brought up the ad at argument, basically, but that was a good. You know, that's that's a that's a path that I could see. Uh, you know, we've seen that throughout history. That's a Gulliver's travel type thing too. And you know, I will say this though: the Ray was trying to kind of downplay the how Kong did when they were out at sea. I mean, let's be honest, Kong had very few places to go. It was like he was playing Floor is Lava and Godzilla lives in lava. You know what I mean? So it made sense that Kong did not win that battle. Plus he had, yeah. So, um, but I had also, so Ray made some good points, but I had also forgotten about uh, when Kong took that, uh, whatever it was, like a tree or something and set it on fire and was using that to like set other things on fire. I mean, that is that does take some intelligence, and that could be very dangerous. You know, if they take one of the cars and he's, gets it to light on fire and just starts torching all of them, I mean, that could happen too. So, overall, I think Ray made some headway in round two, but James, I believe, is still ahead, in my opinion. I'm going to want to see, as always, guys, what will really take it home for me is somebody having a great story, almost like the comic book version of this episode, what would happen in that story, and let's see who can come up with the best one. All right, listen, Legion of Audience, uh, I- I've been here before, many times with Race to Canis, and sometimes I'm so confident I'm getting the win, and then Race somehow pulls the win out from underneath me somehow, so I'm not taking this for granted. I'm taking this very seriously. I want the win tonight. Ray, let's see what you got. Hit us with your point number three. I quite frankly can't believe I'm not ahead right now, but here we go with my point number three to bring it home, because the Let's face it, the Fast and Furious crew has something King Kong only dreams he has, and that's general tune force. The Fast and Furious crew does the impossible movie after movie after movie in the first Fast and Furious movie. Okay, not a lot of absolutely crazy things, except for the fact that they were like going after like iPads and electronics. (laughs) That was kind of crazy itself. But then in, in part two, I believe they jumped like a boat. Or they jumped a car into a boat or something. I forget. I remember somebody going in the air and being a boat involved and being like, well, that's kind of crazy. To which, you know, all of a sudden, then they're Tokyo drifting all through the Universal uh, CityWalk parking lot. If you didn't know they filmed it there, now you know. Kind of great. 
uh, craziness. And then going forward, they're pulling the safe across. They got the magnets. We'll get into more things right here. Because when it comes to Toon Force and exploiting and not even being affected by the laws of physics, that's where the Fast and Furious crew lives. When it comes to having insane things happen and taking no damage whatsoever from it, that's where the Fast and Furious crew lives. When it comes to having an insurmountable obstacle and then just figuring it out as you go, having everything go wrong and still getting the win, that's the Fast and Furious crew, and they do it all with Toon Force. In part seven of this opus, let's not forget that they took a car and they jumped across a tower of a Dubai skyscraper through the window into the window of the one next to it, absolutely defying physics. That car should have sunk like a rock, but you got to realize it didn't. Why didn't it? Because they have Toon Force, but they didn't just do it once. They jumped through the second one because they couldn't stop in time and raced through and crashed through a third tower before finally getting out of the car before it fell out of the building. Why? Toon Force in Fast uh, Part 9. Dominic Toretto uh, was going on a rope bridge and the bridge was gone, but he was going over the cliff anyway. So what did he do? He is such a genius that he hooked uh, his car onto the rope bridge on the rope, yanked himself across, flung himself across the ravine using this rope attached to his car that he just knew was going to hook if he hit it at that proper angle and landed on the other side, crashed the car, but him and Letty got out, no damage whatsoever. In Fast 7, Dom was able to jump his car, fly it up into the air to a helicopter that could roughly reach the head, you know, size of the head of King Kong if he needed to. He missed the helicopter, but he's like, oh no, he missed. But what happened? He attached a grenade bag to the bottom of the helicopter. Luke Hobbs, the rock, shot the bag using teamwork and boom, helicopter was taken out of the sky. They get it done. In Fast 9, they jumped a car into space. They jumped a car into space in order to crash that car into a satellite and then get rescued at the International Space Station as they were just floating around in space. This is what they are capable of. This is a lot more than ripping the branches off of a tree. Lest we forget some of the big hits here, in part six, they anchored a Mustang to a tank. And then they were able to work it so that the car got stuck in front of the tank. They were able to flip the tank over onto its top. And as part of that, Dom drove his car to where there was like a, an area, an open space between two uh, elevated freeway roads. He was able to jump across, grab Letty, who was flying through the air, like turn his body and then land on the other side should not be possible. But Dom is a superhero and we should never forget that jumping across, saving people. That's what the team does. Even if it doesn't make any sense at all in fast part eight, they took out a submarine, a nuclear submarine in the ice. And how do they do it? Dom got a missile that was shot at him. He was able to outdrive the missile, get up, jump over the submarine. The missile hits the submarine, takes out the entire nuclear submarine. The blast should have killed Dom, but all of the other racers drove their cars on the other side to act as a car shield, preventing the blast from hurting him. Once again, you'll notice a theme. Nobody took any damage at all. Now, how does this all work? Tune Force. That's how it works, and that's my point number three. Really? Okay. Toon Force, yeah, I, I remember Dom getting floored by a pipe, and he got floored and got hit to the ground. Did he get up? Yeah, kind of like wrecked a little bit, but like saying, I'm Dom, I can do this, which is really cool. Yeah, a pipe was getting, by Jason Statham's character, was smacking him to the ground. Not great, Toon Force. In terms of laws of physics, you know, that the, the, the Fast and Furious crew continue to break, which is hugely entertaining, by the way. Let me put this in perspective. 
Kong's size, the fact that he can move, that I read this great paper on this. He's breaking every law of physics you can think of just being that size and be able to take a step and not fall apart completely. He's a physical impossibility that should never exist, and yet he does beautifully, breaking every law of physics you can think of. Now, a ton of grenades that takes him out just like a helicopter did, uh, a car crashing into a helicopter and exploding, nitrous oxide. Listen, this is someone who's tank shots from Godzilla and kept on fighting. He survived explosive napalm. None of that's going to affect Kong. And, and by the way, Kong's really good at avoiding taking damage. If he's taking on something, he can get out of the way. He got out of the way of Godzilla's, a lot of Godzilla's hits. The tail being whipped, his punches, his grabs, blast coming from his mouth. He got away of a lot of that stuff. He's got great evasive maneuvers. So put all that together and just kind of put that to a side for a second. Let me get to my point number three and bring this all home. For my point number three, let's talk some big wins, King Kong's main weapon, and just how he's going to win this fight. So Kong has had many, many, many fights and many wins. Here's a fun one, just to put in this perspective of fast and furious and cars and flying vehicles. He destroyed in Kong versus Godzilla, I already mentioned this, this super advanced, super durable flying military vehicle called the HEAV, which is the Hollow Earth Anti-Gravity Vehicle, and it works in regular Earth and all that kind of good stuff, too. This thing has crazy firepower. It has powerful machine guns. It has other missiles, all this kind of stuff, and Kong's able to tank all of that stuff. And by the way, when it finally shot him in the back and just kind of annoyed Kong and it flew past him, what did he do? He just reached out. I already talked about this. Grabbed it, looked inside, saw this beautiful woman like, nah, I don't like you. Just crushes it. It explodes in his hand. A fire explosion in his hand of this super flying advanced vehicle being piloted by this military person who can just knows how to pilot really well. He just crushes it, blows it up in his hand, and just drops it to the ground and ignores it. That's his style. Now, he destroyed, ripped apart, and then ate that massive squid that was actively trying to attack and kill him in Kong Skull Island. He's killed multiple skull crawlers at the same time. He beat the boss kaiju skull crawler by literally ripping out its insidey places out of his mouth. Again, that's when he was 14 years old. I love this guy. Kong, the comic book from the Monsterverse. Kong beat to death. This was awesome. A kaiju-sized, hellish-looking bat called Kamazot. And he literally just grabbed it out of the air and started beating it like Kong was Tony Soprano and Kamazot owed him a ton of money and was late on payments. And after beating it to death, Kong just dropped it into a hole and just walked away because that's what he does. His teenage self, just to remind the Legion of Audience, beat Megatron in a previous Who Would Win battle. Still surprises me to this day, but he did. And yes, Kong he does have an official win over Godzilla. Did he lose twice? Sure, but he's got that middle victory, and it's an official victory for Kong that he got over Godzilla. That is awesome. But what is Kong really going to be using, and something they used against Godzilla as well, Mecha Godzilla? It's his giant battle axe. This is now a thing that Kong has. And he got this in the Godzilla versus Kong movie. This battle axe is a 207-foot battle axe. Its blade is made from what appears to be a Godzilla-style dorsal plate, which means it's super durable. Can also absorb energy, such as a Godzilla's atomic breath. Who knows if it can explode, um, you know, absorb kinetic energy or explosive energy who knows and keep in mind that kong can swing the axe at high speeds and is super good with it. it's crazy in the second battle between godzilla and kong where kong won the axe is powerful enough to knock godzilla backwards off his feet can slice into godzilla's body it can use the axe like an experienced pro even when he's flying through the air and is strong enough this axe is strong enough to severely damage mecha godzilla who was just throwing ragdolling godzilla all over the place he can use the axe to create earthquake-sized attacks by chopping the ground. It damages everything around him, so he's got this area of attack kind of thing he can do. He can also throw it with a lot of um, uh, accuracy, evidently, which is crazy. And finally, he can use this thing as a shield, and he uses this as a shield really, really well. So here's how this fight goes. Get ready for this. 
They face off. Dom and his crew stare at Godzilla in awe. Dom stays stone cold, but his crew are literally losing their minds. They weren't expecting to battle anything like King Kong, that's for sure. Kong, on the other hand, recognizes the threat somehow that Dom and his crew represent and starts to pull on his experience in dealing with humans and their machines that can move very fast and fire weapons from a distance. He's not taking them lightly for whatever reason. Dom comes up with a plan because that's what he does and reassures his crew that they can take out this giant ape. They charge Kong, guns blasting. Kong gets annoyed and runs at them. Most evade Kong, most, but not all. It seems that a couple of Dom's crew got crushed by Kong, Brent Pope style, just the same way he described it. Now, Dom gets angry because that's what he does. You mess with his family. He gets angry. He drives at Kong, trying to buzz him and evading Kong's attacks. Dom decides to lure Kong away from the crew while they come up with a plan or something. Kong chases after Dom. Dom is driving, watching Kong in review, when all of a sudden Kong disappears. Dom radios his crew to come to his location and find Kong, and as they drive towards Dom, a large building comes crashing down in front of them and then behind them. They're trapped and taken out of the fight. It's now 100% up to Dom. Dom sees Kong jumping from building to building. Furious, Dom comes up with a desperate plan. He drives up the ramp to a parking garage to the top floor. He stops his car and revs it directly in front of Kong. Kong holds his axe steady. Flooring it, Dom drives the car off the ramp on the top of the parking garage that happens to be there and ignites the nitrous in his car, turning into a flaming missile. Dom jumps out of the car just in time and watches the car fly directly at Kong, who then easily blocks the car with his axe the same way he did against Godzilla's energy blast, because that's what he does. Dom sensing his time to retreat, regroup, makes a plan, disappears from sight, hoping to fight another day, because that is at best what's going to happen. If Dom decides to take on Godzilla, with all of his knowledge, his experience, his ferocity, his size, his capability, and now he's got a freaking battle axe. Good luck, Fast and Furious crew. I hope you make it out because I'd love to see you and King Kong become friends and Kong become part of the family. That's my point number three. That's why the Fast and Furious crew loses, and that's why King Kong wins. Wow, do you hear that, Brent Pope? Did you hear him try to slide in comic book feats that he alleges that King Kong did? Remember, he's making the movie version. He was very clear about that. And all of a sudden, he's like, uh, comic book feats. And he did all of these things. You see him trying to work that in. That is Shady James working as well. And what big wins, exactly. At the height of his powers, he's never been more powerful than he was in Godzilla versus Kong. And he got trashed in every one-on-one fight over and over again. And this electric rock thing, this thing he had for roughly one minute of screen time in a two-hour movie at one point suddenly is just standard gear for him. That was one of maybe the dumbest things I've seen in a monster movie where Godzilla had to breathe atomic power on this rock for like a while to charge it up and then it became a Space Marine Warhammer 40,000 power blade and he's just wailing on Mechagodzilla with it. But at the end of the movie, he dropped it it lost its charge and he left it behind. He didn't have it at the end of the movie. So the idea that he'd have it here is absurd. What's really going to happen is the plan. And here's the plan as I see it. Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez, they're going to be out there and they're going to be uh, uh, getting to Kong's better nature. They're going to calm him down a little bit. Roman and Han are absolutely going to run interference. They're going to try to run, get him distracted. They're going to go all around. They're going to drive in all sorts of different directions to confuse Kong, who doesn't have the intelligence that they have despite what James said, and he's not going to know which way to go. The high-powered magnets are going to start shooting uh, different bolts and giant pieces of metal and rebar through, not just into, through the knees and shin area of Godzilla, severely weakening his ability to stand, at which point they're going to pull out the harpoons. The harpoons are going to
going to go in the legs of Godzilla, who now still doesn't know which way to fight. He can f- He's good at fighting big monsters, not really, but that's what he excels at. He's not great at fighting small things with a lot of them that he doesn't know which way to go. They're going to pull him down AT-AT style and bring him down much closer to the ground, and that's when the ultimate plan goes in. Because as we know, the Fast and Furious crew has access to any kind of vehicle they want at any time. So what do they find? The Oscar Mayer Wiener Wagon. They're going to paint it yellow and they're going to hook it up with NO2 because every car in the Fast Universe is hooked up with that nitrous oxide. And it's a very explosive element, that nitrogen. They're going to paint it up like a banana. They're going to launch it off of a ramp towards Godzilla's face. He's not really going to know what to do, so he's going to eat it. And what's the weak spot in King Kong and all these movies? Didn't Godzilla try to open his mouth to breathe atomic fire down his breath? A move that would have killed him? His outside might be tough, but his inside places need to work because he's still an organic creature. When the wiener wagon goes into his esophagus and detonates in a massive nitrogen-laced explosion, he won't be able to breathe. He won't be able to do anything. He will fall. I'm not going to say all of the Fast and Furious crew are going to get out of this alive. But I will say that they will bring him down, defying the laws of physics, beating odds insurmountable. That's just what this crew does. Uh, You know, I got to tell you, if I wasn't trying to win the fight, I would just be sitting back and listening to this. I'm really enjoying what Ray's bringing to the table with this debate, even though it's, it's falling quite short. Whatever the case may be, listen, it comes all the way down to Brent Pope. Brent, executive VP of the Who Would Win Show, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. And it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between the Fast and the Furious and King Kong. Well, first of all, well battled by both of you. You both represented your characters very well, I think. A little housekeeping. I'm going to say the big battle axe. I think Ray's kind of right. It wasn't... We haven't seen him with it a lot. He didn't end with it in the movie, and it was charged by Godzilla and then like was kind of not charged, at least as I remember it. But he didn't have it at the end. So I'm going to say, look, if he's 300 feet tall and he needs this axe to beat this crew, then he's got bigger issues. That's what I would say. So I'm going to take that off the battlefield. But I will say this. I don't know if, and I'm going to piece this together as I'm going, because I'm really not sure where I'm going. This is real close, guys. I don't know if I buy that the Fast and Furious crew has Toon Force per se. But the fact that they do consistently do feats that defy physics... Maybe they have, like, movie magic, uh, which is maybe the, a real person version of, of Toon Force, maybe. Whereas King Kong, and I know what you're saying, James, he defies what should happen. He should fall apart into a big puddle of goo because he shouldn't run that fast. But he still does follow the basic conventions of uh, he doesn't, like, turn into a bat. Or, you know, he doesn't, like, all of a sudden have, grow wings. and is able, You know what I mean? Uh, so he does follow general physics even if the, the thing like him shouldn't exist. Uh, and thank goodness he exists. Thank goodness all the kaijus exist because they're delightful. Anyway, I have no doubt that these guys could put a plan together. Hide and strike, as Ray said, would seem to be the best plan for them. Now, in the many versions of Kong, I guess one thing I haven't really seen is is them is Kong go up against a team that's using different tactics. It usually seems like it's either a big kaiju going against him or like a military force that are all just kind of attacking him head on. I don't know if I've seen them do use like subterfuge 
and go around him and try to trick him and things like that. So that was the interesting argument from Ray there. That argument, as I said, I thought that was interesting. The, now, Ray did mention satellites earlier. I, I'm going to take that off. We haven't seen that happen. So I'm going to say that that's really not. <laughs> that would be seem kind of unfair to all of a sudden. Uh, the Death Star is just shooting down <laughs> on King Kong. I mean, come on, Ray. How dare you use that? As far as, you know, one of the aspects I always look at, too, is the, pre- the, the previous knowledge. I think in this area, I think Fast and Furious actually has an advantage because when you see a giant ape, generally you know, oh, that thing's freaking giant uh, and he's going to do ape-like th- feats, but but more giant. Whereas the Fast and Furious crew could, he doesn't know what all their specific powers are. You know, he doesn't know what all they're, they are going to try to do. So as I see this battle... <sighs> It's just I can't really get over – it's really hard for me to get over King Kong's size and his speed. And then that's 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 where I was thinking most of this battle. I, King Kong's size and speed is just kind of too much. And then, <laughs> and then Ray brings this Oscar Mayer wiener wagon argument. And I thought in my head, like as a great man Harry Doyle once said, just when I think you can't get any dumber, you do something like this, Ray. And totally redeem yourself. I could see Kong falling for this, this thing, this way. It's ridiculous, but that's what happens in all these movies. Ridiculous things. The wiener wagon dressed as a banana going into his mouth and exploding him. And that that is his one weak part. And I see also. I also could see the the two ladies distracting him. We've seen it. And I know this is a different version, but Fay Ray distracted him. Jessica Lang uh, distracted him. Whoever was in the 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 later one, he always seems to kind of see them and get a soft spot and you know not fight as hard or try to protect them. So I can see all these little things, and then the, add on to that, they're they're doing the add at thing on him at the same time. I'm sorry, I, this is a beautiful story and a bunch of synergy. And, and James, you love teamwork as much as anybody. So I think you're going to appreciate the fact that Fast and the Furious gets the win here. That's absolutely what? right. What? Right. Only the, the banana thing. So the fact that King Kong is a carnivore and doesn't even like bananas. And he's seeing a moving banana as a car. Really? Really, that's what you're thinking. bananas, James. You can try to work around it, but you have to respect it. Well, James, according to you, he's so smart that he would have recognized it was a wiener dog, and he loves hot dogs probably because he's he's a carnivore, like you said. Oh. (sighs) Brent Pope, you have disappointed me. At the next board meeting, um, I'm still going to vote for you as executive VP, but uh, your raise, instead of being 100%, is now only going to be 95%. Hope you can live with yourself. That's what's going to happen. All right, listen, I 100% completely disagree with this decision, but I loved the fact that we had this battle. The really great thing is, I know the fan base, before this battle, the fan base was going nuts. And Ray, you'll even admit this, they were saying, Kong's got this, it's going to be fun. Kong's got this, Kong's got this. And then all of a sudden, this ridiculous decision comes out. All I got to say is, it was a fun fight. I disagree, but man, I had so much fun doing it. All right, Ray Sicanus, you got a really weird win. You should not be proud of yourself for this one. This was ridiculous. But how do you feel after this victory? I'm about as proud of this victory as I am of the fact that I go see every Fast and Furious movie in the fanciest movie theater possible every time they come out, and I give each one a standing ovation. These are the greatest movies of a generation, and soon to be two generations. They've been going on for so long. This is 
one that I wanted real, real bad. Because yes, among people online who lack any creativity whatsoever, people who see fun and go, no thanks, not for me, people who get hung up on one thing, his size, Let's not act like that would be a problem for a crew this dedicated and this crazy. Great decision. And I don't say this often to Brent Pope. One of the best decisions <laughs> we've ever had on the Who Would Win show. Thanks, Ray. Brent Pope. Brent Pope. Brent Pope. You know, I all I'm going to say is we should always respect the hierarchy of power within the Who Would Win production team. You know, Who Would Win Productions has been having unprecedented success. And that's really because of Brent Pope being at the helm of everything. So, you know, I, I can forgive a lot of transgressions. This one, I'm not so sure. Brent Pope, I think I'm going to hang on to this one for a little while. I think I'm going to hang on. If I ever go on to print the Brentfist podcast, which is amazing, Legion of Audience, listen to that whenever you can. I always listen to it. I think I'm going to bring this up and just talk about how ridiculous this is. But with all of that being said, we always love it when you're a judge on the show, even when I don't agree with your decision. But tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. Well, look, online right now, uh, like I said, season two of With Love is going to be out on June 2nd, and I'm, I appear several times throughout the season, so it's a little recurring part. It's one of the most fun parts I've had. Uh, check out season one of With Love right now for free on YouTube, and if you have, or if you have Prime Video, you can watch it now. It's only five episodes. You can catch up. You'll know what's going on in season two when I appear. You won't have to be like, oh, what's Brent Pope doing here? You'll know exactly why. Anyway, that's coming up. My Brentfest podcast, Brentfest with Brent Pope. As you guys said, you guys have both appeared on it. You've both have been great guests. Some of my highest amounts of listens are both you guys. And I haven't checked lately, but it's pretty neck and neck. Uh, anyway, those two places, you can find me on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Scoops Pope. You can find me on my blue checkmarked, Facebook page, my Facebook actor page there. That's another place you can find me. And in the Who Would Win boardroom, James, I'm, I, I wish I could have given you the win. I wish I could have given you both the win today, but I didn't. I'll just have to make it up to you by uh, taking you out for some champagne brunch, as we usually do. Have some bubbly, some uh, tornado eggs. I'll have them whip you up some tornado eggs with the chopsticks. And by the way, James, I have to say, I just visited your home country of, of Canada for the first time, had some good poutine. I went to a place called Montreal Pool Hall, which did not have a pool. It also did not have billiards. All it had was poutine. That's weird, but that seems like what Canada is. I mean, I'm glad my home country was uh, was able to provide you with such entertainment. And it's poutine. It's not oh, and poutine. Poutine. Yeah, and 18 sorry. escape rooms, James. Yeah. I did 18 escape rooms up and around the uh, Laval and uh, Montreal area. Very smart uh, designers of escape rooms up there, James. You know, I've heard of the A-team. I've never heard of the poutine. Ugh, can I change my decision, James? Is it too late? You know uh, what? As, as I tell many people, yes. All right, <laughs> Race Cicadas, you got a weird victory today. I can't wait to see what people have to say about this. This was beyond ridiculous. But whatever, that's the fun of the Who Would Win show. Tell everyone where they can find you online. Look, I realized for this battle that if I was going to win, I could not match strength versus strength. I had to outwork James Gavsey and come up with as many different schemes as possible because that is very much in spirit of the Fast and Furious movies. Again, they launched a vehicle, a car, into space without any government funding or subsidies, I believe, and they smashed it into a satellite. Like, if you can do that, you'll just find a way 
to beat a monkey, and I believe my plan is perfect. I believe, uh, I believe I should be writing Fast 11. I'll just go ahead and put it out there right now. Big thing for me. Look forward to it. We're working on new episodes of Vampire uh, Detroit, aka Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. We're working on episode six and seven. Uh, scripts just went out, so that will be coming, and we're going to be releasing them sort of just whenever. It's not going to be all at once. It's going to be one, and then a while, and then another one, and then a while, and I think that's the best way to actually get these things in front of you before the end of time. So go to VampireDetroit.com or find us at Vampire Detroit on Twitter. Otherwise, find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter. This is maybe the greatest episode of this show in history. We've never done better. We might have to just end it right now. We'll never do this well ever again. Like I said, I can't wait to see what the Legion of Audience has to say about this one. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Stekanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. It is summertime, and that means get-togethers. It means swimsuit weather, and HelloFresh has got you covered. Why don't you make your home the hangout place this summer with crowd-pleasing eats from a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie? HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch for you. And let's face it, you want to eat well this summer, right? If you're going to be showing off your body, potentially. Well, HelloFresh's menu features calorie-smart, and protein smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan dinners to choose from as well, so you get some variety. HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your food goals with flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. And let's say, for example, you want dinner fast. You could just get it delivered, but let's face facts, that's not always fast, is it? But you can think of HelloFresh with their fast and fresh recipes, they're going to be ready in just 15 minutes or less. Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. What's the deal? I've used HelloFresh in the past. I enjoy getting a box of meals sent to me because I like going on the website or the app or however you choose to do it, right? And I like to go on there and I like to look through all the meals. And HelloFresh has a ton of meals to pick from. And I like to pick things that I've never made before, right? I like to pick dishes that blow my mind. Like I look at the picture and I say, I don't know how I could possibly make that. I can't even conceive of what that is. And then I order it and then I do it. And that's the way that you help improve yourself, right? Improve your knowledge base. Reach out with food. It's possible with HelloFresh. I will speak to that myself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 and use code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 using code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. It's a great deal for some great food with America's number one meal kit. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.